Hello, I'm Donnie Clinton, Director of Student Ministry and Media at West Hills Church, located in the heart of West County in beautiful St. Louis, Missouri. I'm also the host of the Going Deeper podcast at West Hills Church, where we take a few minutes to dive into last week's sermon or an interesting topic in the life of the church. West Hills is a gospel-centered church that glorifies God by living in authentic Christian community with one another, growing in spiritual maturity as disciples of Jesus, and serving the world missionally with the love of Christ. West Hills meets at 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings for worship, and we would love to have you join us. This week, Pastor Will and I are talking about the place of communion in the Christian worship service. And we want to thank you for joining us as we go deeper. This week, we are in Indianapolis. That's why you're going to hear some background noise. We're recording this uh, from Will's hotel room because we are attending the Gospel Coalition Conference, um, where the theme this year is Conversations with Jesus. And basically, it's about evangelism. Hmm. They want people to have more conversations with people about Jesus. So that's kind of it. That's what's happening this year. Yeah. Um, what have you thought of the conference so far, Donnie? I, I have never been here. It's always cool to have, I mean, thousands of people together singing songs. Hmm. There's always this time in worship where you're like singing. Um, and they're, all, they're always hymns this year because the guy's from Sovereign Grace. I don't know his name. Yeah, uh, Matt but, Boswell. Oh, Matt Boswell from mm-hmm. Sovereign Grace. Where uh, people just want to get the audio or the video of people singing worship songs. Mm. Um, so they like lift up their phones and they're like recording everything around them. It's always kind of strange um, <laughs> to be near these people who are just like, it sounds, I mean, I, I, and I'm guilty of it too. I, I recorded a bunch of audio when we were singing during the first worship session. Um, so I, but generally I have thought the conference has been really edifying. Um, and I think that if I had to have like one big takeaway at the end of today, because today is the last day of the conference, um, it's that I need to pray more. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. It's like not even been a focus of the conference at all. Right. But we are actually in Indianapolis with some dudes from West Hills, and one of them is named uh, Stan Solomon, and he is just on fire for it. And like the amount that he's been talking about praying and even just like wanting to begin more prayer ministry from West Hills has been uh, convicting for me in my personal life because I have a tendency to forsake prayer. Hmm. So how about you? What has been? That's good, man. Well, I'll just point to four very quick things. One, <laughs> I, I promise. One is um, the, your point about the worship thing. That that turned me off the first year I was here too, I remember, because there was a, seemingly a lot of kind of spectator type stuff going on during during worship, and really, kind of during the, the whole conference, a lot of people kind of here and just really, you know, they're almost a celebrity type mentality about some of these pastors. But I think one thing I had to keep in mind was um, a lot of these pastors come from maybe you know rural areas or around Indianapolis, or I mean, I think all fifty states are here, but but just from small churches, and they don't have. The kind of they this might be the only time or maybe the first time they've ever worshipped with like ten or fifteen thousand people all at once, and it's a pretty pretty cool thing, pretty special. And so, just you know, wanting to kind of capture that and be able to remember it and share it with their congregation when they go back home, I think it's kind of a, a neat impulse at least. Um, 
I love that you point out um, how much it's been beneficial for you because this this has always been a takeaway from this conference for me, just the importance of fellowship. Like, again, even more so than any of the sermons, any of the worship, anything that, you know, actually is theoretically the, the explicit reason you're here is just being with six or seven other guys from West Hills, um, worshiping together, praying together, um, that's, that's just been really powerful for me. And I've, I've really bonded with, you know, other uh, folks from the church over this conference in years past. And this year is no exception to that for me. I think one thing that, um, for me that if I'm honest has been a little frustrating or disappointing about this conference is the theme this year is conversations with Jesus, learning evangelism from Jesus and so the, the whole conference is allegedly oriented towards evangelism, and that's a real passion of mine and a um, desire of mine is to see the church, you know, awakened um, not only to the importance of the gospel, but the importance of sharing the gospel and paying the gospel for it. And that's why Jesus has left his church on the earth is, you know, and, and one of the ways he gets the most glory is through evangelism and and. You know, it's interesting. I would say, I don't know what your assessment has been, but I would say probably half of the sermons have been pretty pretty heavy on, on evangelism. Um, and then half of them haven't even made any explicit ties to evangelism. And, and, and truthfully for me, I struggle to even see how, you know, this, that, this sermon or this breakout or, or whatever is even tied to evangelism. I mean, you, you can always kind of connect the dots, but... It's been pretty indirect with some of them, and so I don't. You think that's a fair assessment? I think that I agree with you that maybe they didn't even explain very well at the beginning that this whole thing has to do with evangelism. It it's like obviously implied, and it's obviously an important part of. I don't know. It's. At the very beginning, you'd expect someone to say the reason we're doing conversations with Jesus this year so people can learn um, what it's like to evangelize. Yeah. Um, in pulpit ministry, when you're preaching, if there is a fog in the pulpit, there's a cloud in the pew. Yeah. And if if you are not explaining clearly the thing that you mean, then maybe at the end of the day, the congregation's not going to get why you're doing what you're doing. I'm just not sure. Um, if they explain that well, very much at the at the offset, which is, yeah. is tough, but also saying that um, the bookstore is incredible, the exhibits are incredible, yeah. all the speakers have been incredible. It is, yeah. It's just around the one theme of evangelism. I'm I'm unsure where it's where it's hanging out. It's right. obvious that we should be seeing that these conversations in the Bible with Jesus are um, evangelical in nature, yeah. but maybe not. Maybe the the why wasn't really kept in front of them and they're not really telling us necessarily explicitly why why these conversations link to evangelism i don't know i think that's a good way to put it um and all that to say i think you're very charitable and said you know it's still been an incredible conference the the speakers are all you know yeah fantastic worship um so and and i'm and all that to say too i'm excited for this morning uh david platt is you know my one of my guys who's here and he's preaching this morning and gosh, if there's, if you know anything about David Platt, you know, his heart for evangelism and world missions. And, um, so I'm confident that he's going to put the evangelism back in this conference on evangelism. Um, so I'm excited to, 
after breakfast, go get to hear him before we come back. And um, I mean, uh, the last and, and most important thing I'll say quickly is just how thankful, and I'm sure you would reiterate with me, um, just how thankful we are to be at a church that values conferences like this and values being able to give their pastors the opportunity to get away and recharge our batteries. You know, when you spend 362 days a year ministering to people, um, it's so sweet to have, you know, two or three days <laughs> um, carved out just to be ministered to in, in these ways by, you know, some of the best <laughs> ministers and pastors out there. So it's just, it's a really wonderful opportunity. I want to say thank you to our church family for, for you know, su- being able to support us financially and whatever else in, in ways to make this possible. Yeah, without you guys, we just wouldn't be here. And without you guys, we'd have no reason to be here. Yeah. So thank you for letting us live in this thing that God's called us to and uh, letting us come to Indianapolis. That's and good. please ask us about it. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Um, at the end of this podcast, you're going to hear some of the highlights from some of the guys and just what they thought about the Gospel Coalition. They thought about the conference and just a minute from each guy asking what was the thing that they're going to take away and take back to West Hills. Yeah. Um, but the Going Deeper podcast is about discussing an aspect of last week's sermon where we can just dive uh, a little deeper. And, and this week, Pastor Will talked about the place of the, the table, of the communion table in the worship service. And... and really where it came from and in, and in mark we kind of found that jesus instituted it to to be like this maybe not maybe the central part of the christian worship service and and pastor will reminded us uh, reminded us of the importance of the christian worship mm-hmm. table and communion and taking it together which is something will recently instituted at west Oast, thankfully um so i want to know just quickly as we talk about it this week and as we go a little deeper um, it, the answer might be obvious. Do you think that communion and the the table have maybe lost its place of importance in specifically uh, Protestant, non-Catholic, mm. like non-Orthodox? Like, has the table lost its place of importance in mm. in Protestant Christian circles? What yeah. do you so? Yeah, I think it's a good question, important question. Um, I I think. Yeah, this idea that you know, because obviously it can, uh, the Lord's Supper can be important with that, and and we'll use the. I mean, I'll use. I don't know your thoughts. Maybe a whole different topic. Uh, use words in, interchangeably, names of communion, Lord's Supper, Eucharist. But um, I, I think, you know, you use, and and truthfully, I I did I used the the word central. I think at the beginning of the sermon um, on Sunday and said, you know, this is this. This holds a, a, a central um, place in our corporate worship together, and um, you know, maybe not the central, but certainly a central. And so, um, I guess that's that's really sort of part of your question: is where where does um, the observance celebration of this sacrament ordinance? It's another yeah. <laughs> question we could yeah. get to. You know, so. Yeah. Um, Traditionally in the church, um, you know, the church is called <clears throat> communion, one of its sacraments. Catholic church has seven sacraments. Um, most you know, Protestant churches, we have two, baptism and the Lord's Supper. Um, a sacrament 
can really be defined different ways by different churches. I think in general, the maybe the fair way to, to you hear the connection with the word sacred, but you know, a sacrament is a, a sacred ordained by, by Jesus um, <clears throat> means of grace. Uh, so it is a outward, physical, visible um, representation uh, pointing to an inward spiritual reality. Um, and so we could unpack that more or not. But all that to say, I think even in the fact that, like as Baptists, you know, our particular heritage, we've gotten away from that word. Like we've been so scared by that word sacrament that now we call it an ordinance. Yeah, it's like we want to we want to make sure we're remaining non-Catholic. Yeah. And I think that, truthfully, that that's kind of where I was going with this is, so much of the discussion around communion in particular and the sacraments has, in, pro, in the Protestant world, even you look historically, has been a reaction against Catholicism and a re- reaction against theological, you know, I don't want, abuse is a strong word, but <clears throat> um, certainly some, some doctrinal misalignment with the Bible, if you will. That I think, um, yeah, we've maybe swung the pendulum too far in the other direction, and and we, I think there is a, a very real um, need to ask that question of, have we in swinging the pendulum so far, reacting against sort of the, the high sacramentality of of the Catholic Church, for instance, have have we lost some of the sense of the importance of what we're doing together with the Lord's Supper? So that's obviously what we're trying to do with this. Um, with this, this sermon series, these next two um, sermons on the Lord's Supper, but I'm interested to hear from from you, Donnie, because you know you're in seminary now and you're taking, let's say, church history right now, and mm-hmm. um, and that it's been a while for me. But what is your understanding of this? Because you know my understanding of even the church history is the reformers. That was one of the first things they did in terms of practical changes to the corporate worship service. Was they came into these churches and they tore the uh, tables out. You know, the table, the altar was had this literally central place on the platform at the at the front of these churches in the 15 and 1600s, and the reformers came in and tore the tables out and put pulpits there instead and it was this visible reminder to the church to the people their congregants these protestant now churches that hey this this idea that that there's something magic about this this bread and and wine um and that's you know the most important thing that's that's really what you need is is not true we want to get us back to the sacrament of the word being primary and it's actually interesting that in to me, and I don't know your thoughts, but then this again to get back to the 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 word that the word sacrament hasn't been applied maybe as as much as I think it could be and rightfully maybe should be to like the preaching of God's word. I think I think preaching actually we could fairly talk about preaching as a sacrament as a you know because what what i'm trying to do when i preach is it's a visible reminder that god speaks to us um and not that i'm speaking on behalf of god or or something like that but just um yeah read 
read David Mathis's book on Habits of Grace and read his chapter specifically on preaching. And I think he makes a strong case for how preaching the word can be thought of as a sacrament. But anyways, what's your understanding of the, the church history on that? Um, the Westminster Confession of Faith is, is the, a confession that's largely used by uh, Reformed schools and seminaries and traditions. And the first chapter of the Westminster Confession of Faith um, is on the Holy Word of God. Because part of the Reformers' desire was to reinstitute for all peoples the, the centrality of what the Word of God offers the, the believer. So you see these uh, Reformed people and theologians using, like, making the Word of God the central place in the worship service because that is where you can most clearly communicate Jesus and you can most clearly exposit these scriptures. Uh, but if, if we go back to these scenes with Jesus before he passes away, he would say like, this is the thing. He would say communion is the thing that believers do as, as people who belong, belong to Jesus. You do this every time that you're together and you do it to remember me. Um, so I think that the reformers had an idea that putting the word of God as the central part of the Christian worship service would do maybe a more adequate job of, of reminding the church of who Jesus is as opposed to uh, what communion uh, might do uh, because the Catholic church in, in their services, the central part of their services is the Eucharist. Uh, the, is, that's what they call uh, taking of communion. And in the Orthodox Church, taking communion is an incredibly central part of their church. My, um, my friend is in the Orthodox Church in St. Louis, and he, he fasts the day before because he wants to be prepared to hmm. take communion the next day. Like, yeah. And there's, there's a, lot to be, a lot to be said about that. Um, and the high view of the Orthodox and the Catholic Church when it comes to communion. Hmm. Um, and I think it kind of goes back to the point, if we were asking the question, has communion lost its level of importance in Protestant worship circles. Protestant just means non-Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say then, and, and Will and I, I think we'd agree is, yeah, probably a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and Well, probably a lot. And the next logical question then is, if this thing has, has lost its place in, its place of importance in, in Protestant Christian circles, then... How do, we, how do we bring that back without sacrificing the other parts of the service? We don't want to sacrifice the, the repentance, the, the, the prayers that we now do that have, the church has been doing historically. Mm-hmm. But now how do, we, how do we as a church bring communion back and say this is why we're doing it? Yeah. Like to remember Jesus. Without this morning, if we don't point to Christ, then what do we got? Yeah. So, Pastor Will, how do we... How do we actively and adequately bring back um, communion as an important practice of the Christian church? Yeah. Well, or at West Hills. Sure, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Small battles. I'm right. going to tell you about the entire church universal. Yeah, I'm going to fix yeah. <laughs> every problem right now. I'm not Martin Luther. or yeah. No, I, I, I'll tell you, I don't think the answer is um, by continuing to just do it the way we've done it and and sort of treat it a little bit frankly ha- haphazardly and um 
yeah, I, I think it's we've got to be more intentional. I, you know, I you can think of any any example. You know, one analogy that stood out to me is, um, you know, our society elevates sex a lot, right? Um, and I'm sure there are lots of marriages that are sort of only about sex or mostly about sex or something like that. You know, if sex is an important, vital part of a, of a healthy marriage that, you know, God has given as a gift, um, you know, for, a, a, a let's say, a couple who's maybe got that out of whack and maybe it's become the only thing, I don't think the answer is, um, you know, to never have sex again in marriage. I think that what we're trying to do is to swing the pendulum back and to <clears throat> restore the proper place and, uh, and role, um, for the Lord's supper. And, and again, I, I don't know, I, I don't know if it's helpful to debate the relative, you know, merits of, of preaching versus, uh, baptism versus the Lord's supper versus, you know, singing and corporate worship versus praying. I mean, there's lots of things that do and should, and will continue to go into our corporate worship and life together as a church. I think to sum it up in a word, it goes back to intentionality. And that's the word that I tried to really push on Sunday. And I will again this coming Sunday is we want to be intentional about everything that we do um, in our in our worship service and why we do it. And, you know, um, so I think it's 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 educating on that. And then it's, you know, reminding on that regularly so that as we, you know, especially if we're going to you know, start taking communion every week together, all the more reason um, to not let this become an empty ritual, but to remind people, this is why we do this. This is why it's so important. This is why, this is perhaps the most powerful visible symbol that we um, participate in as a church of Christ's grace, his body broken for us, his blood shed for us. And we, you know, there's, there's, no more powerful symbol and reminder for us to bring us back to that that place of you know that we were at it at the moment of our salvation of yeah. just humility, submission, and awe and reverence and worship, gratitude, confession, all those things coming together at once at the table. So yeah, and I think another another practical thing is a lot of the what the Protestant churches have done is reactionary against maybe Catholic churches. We have to get away from a theology that only reacts to things yeah. and a theology that's geared towards glorifying God yeah. and like trying to escape looking like something. Because if we're just worried about looking Catholic, then we're going to read the text and be like, okay, well, how do we make this text make sure we don't look like we're Catholic? Yeah. And that's, and that's yeah. dangerous because it's, uh, that's abhorrent to God's word because it's not... Yeah. Uh, what he wants us to do when we're, when we're reading the text and communing together. Well, we'll just miss out on so much. I mean, just like there's so much richness, again, in, in at the Lord's table that maybe we've missed out on because we're thinking more about what things we, we shouldn't be doing or what things it's not. You know, it's, it's not the actual body and, and blood, you know, transubstantiation or whatever other reactionary yeah, theology theologies. Yeah, so, yeah. That's all I got. Should yeah. we interview this some guys? A, yeah, this is kind of a, a shorter one this morning. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to advise two maybe active ways you can... So communion is just remembering. 
like when you think of communion, think of remembering. And I'm, I'm going to give you just two recommendations on my end that have helped me, mm. uh, and, and Will can chime in with one or two as well. But if communion is remembering, then I should probably be trying harder to remember Jesus throughout the day. Mm. Set an alarm on your phone. And like today's, this is a good time to remember Jesus. Uh, 7.30 in the morning, mm. like your wake up is an alarm that says today's a good day to remember Jesus. Or putting a sticky note on your mirror. Right? Just like, remember Jesus today. It's, it's little ways to remember the incredible things that Christ did for you and give you a more, uh, more well, a bigger consciousness to, to live your days as if you're remembering the incredible thing he did for you and not just on Sunday. Like, communion wasn't instituted by the Lord to be remembered once a week. Um, while it is something we do while we gather, remembering is something Christians do. Uh, because of what Jesus did for us. The second thing is really, really, really look at yourself before you take communion. Are you being mm. sorry for your sins? Are you actively remembering Jesus? Are you a confessed believer? Can you go to the table in good conscience? Um, yeah, so there's a, there's a hundred things. So I would I would say... Make sure you're remembering him throughout the week and make sure when you're taking communion to really think about what Jesus did for you. Don't just sit there with your eyes down and honestly, honestly think, what did Christ do for me? And boil it down, simple terms, and think about that and like just live in that kind of truth, I guess. That's good. Really. <laughs> That's good, man. Yeah, I, I like that. Set the alarm for 11.24 in the morning. Um, hopefully you're in bed by then. Yeah. I am. Yeah. But uh, because 1 Corinthians eleven twenty four is where Paul reminds us that, that the Lord said, do this in remembrance of me. And it's just interesting. Um, Paul doesn't quote Jesus much at all. Nope. I mean, th- th- is this the only, <laughs> this might be the only place where Paul like directly quotes, where you will find red letters in the epistles of Paul um, from the words of Jesus and it's about communion because it's that important. But yeah, I, I like your reminders. I don't know that I have a lot to add to it. Um, other than, you know, another thing to be reminded of is, um, just this idea that, you know, we don't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And, um, you know, so, so again, being reminded of that throughout the week, as well, um, and that that connection with communion there, and I like that. That's an interesting idea. Your friend and fasting leading up to to the Lord's Supper. I got to give more thought to that as well. But just that that reminder that I need this more than I need food. I, I need um, spiritual nourishment that I'm reminded of at the table more than I need food. And truly uh, truthfully that's that's true every day that's not just true on Sundays like yeah. I, I need I need God's word today um, when I wake up more than I need food I should probably go you know I woke up for this podcast but I should probably go you know do my devotional spend time in prayer before I go eat breakfast because <laughs> I need it more and, and just yeah. as a reminder of that so yeah well this has been the second episode of going deeper thank you for joining us sorry this one's getting to you a little later than will and I had intended had intended. Uh, the next few minutes, the audio might sound a bit different because I'm recording it on my handheld directional microphone. Um, but you're going to hear two, three guys talking about uh, what's their one big takeaway from the Gospel Coalition Conference. And they're going to introduce themselves and then give you the takeaway. So feel free to approach these guys and, and talk to them about um, what the Gospel Coalition Conference meant to them. That's 
All right. Thanks, Donnie. Yep. Thanks, Pastor Will. See you next time. This is, yeah, this is no pressure. Um, this is Brandon Smotherman, uh, one of the guys who came with us to the Gospel Coalition Conference. Um, and I'm just asking him, what's one big takeaway you're going to bring back to West Hills um, for the, from the Gospel Coalition Conference? Hey, everybody, good morning. Um, it was a pleasure to come on a trip with some of the guys from West Hills. And I would recommend it to anybody who ever gets a chance to do it. Um, a couple of things that really stood out to me, um, I can't even remember actually which speaker it was, but uh, one talked about St. Augustine and his kind of personal description of what new birth looks like for him. And what he said was that more than just theory or a, a bunch of basically mumbo jumbo was that new birth should look like someone that their affections and their loves for things are changing. And so that's a big takeaway because that became a, an automatic just prayer for my life that my affections would dr dramatically change from random things of this world that are not necessarily good or bad, but because Jesus is becoming more and more precious. And the same line, um, one of the pastors referenced the Old Testament text of the uh, the bronze serpent, I believe, and and <clears throat> when Israel falling into sin and and God sending uh, basically a plague of poisonous serpents, and they were bit by the serpents, and their only hope was to look up to the the bronze serpent, which again is a picture of Christ. Um, just reminded me of um, my need of a desperation to, to look at Christ in that way. So, anyways, um, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Appreciate it, Brandon. Thank you. John, do you have, a, do you have one big takeaway you'd have? Uh, yes. Let's see. For me, I'm always impressed of what goes into putting a conference together uh, like this kind. It's just staggering, the organization it takes to uh, have three days with 80 speakers and 62 different workshops that are offered throughout the day. So the content is, um, to put it lightly, a feast for the participants. I think everybody just seemed to really enjoy that and, and deserve it in a lot of ways to take this time to be fed in this way by such outstanding speakers and people who love Jesus and love the Bible as much as they do, um, I think if I had to boil it down to one speaker um, who remains foremost in my mind about hitting the topic and doing it in a way that I really appreciate was John Piper's address, um, especially at the end of it when he offered three or four very explicit ways to interact with people who are non-believers to try to help uh, have a strategic approach, uh, but a relational approach to bringing people to Christ. Uh, and as an aside, I came to give Tim, Heller a, Tim Keller a hug, uh, which remains unfulfilled, but I'll, I'll deal with that. Thank you. 
And just like that, you have the second episode of the Going Deeper podcast. Thank you to some of the guys for giving me their takeaway. Unfortunately, my microphone died when some of them were talking, so I didn't get all of them. Um, But I assure you that they were incredible and excellent God-fearing takeaways. Pastor Will and I want to tell you that the Gospel Coalition's website has all of the speakers up available absolutely free as a way for you to just get into God's Word and and be at the Gospel Coalition Conference with the pastors who are here. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week on Going Deeper.